Very good. Good to see everyone. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today at Oaks Church. If we haven't met, I would love to have the opportunity to meet you today in the lobby. We'll be hanging out there just after my wife, Jennifer, and I, and uh, it's just an honor to be here with you. Let's pray. We're going to jump right into it, all right? Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy. Holy Spirit, would you speak today? Release your favor. Release your glory. Release your peace. Father, in a world like the world we live in, we need your peace. We need your Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus to give us more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's a great day here at Oaks Church. Welcome all of you that are with us online as well. We're so happy to have each and every one of you and uh, all of you that are part of our church. We've been in the middle of a series called Keys of the Kingdom, Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, we're just gonna take just a little bit of time and talk about that today. We've got a couple more weeks of this series and then we're moving into our series on faith for miracles. I want you guys to uh, align your faith with us and, and your anticipation for God to do something incredible inside of Oaks Church in this next Next season, uh, as we move toward Christmas, we'll, we'll be talking about the miracle of Jesus Christ. But I'm believing for supernatural release of God's power in our church. We're moving into a, a, a season where we're going to be promoting and putting the word out inside of our community for God uh, to do amazing things right here through Oaks Church. So be in alignment with us, be uh, in unity with us, and take some time to think about who are the people in your life that need a miracle? Who are people that they need a miracle maybe in their marriage or in their business or with their kids or something like that? This is a great season. As we move into the holiday season, it's a great season to invite people to be a part of your spiritual life and journey and a part of Oaks Church. And I believe that through you and through your influence, God is going to open up the door for miracles to happen inside of your sphere of influence, inside of your relationships. But it can only happen if you're a part of it, right? There are people that are in your life that God placed in your life for you to be an influence in. So take that position. Let's step into that. Amen. Amen. Well, as we talk about this concept, keys of the kingdom, I want you to think back to when you got your very first key. You were a kid, and if you were like me in the 80s growing up as an elementary school kid, we, we got one of these. Do you remember these? And, and on the news, they would call us latchkey kids. You remember this? And we would put them around our little neck like this and, and our parents would kick us out the door and tell us to go to school and we would go off to school and we had this little key because we would actually walk to school. My kids have never walked to school or walked home from school, but we would walk to school and we had this little key around us and I was responsible for my, my sisters and now I can't get it off my head. Let's go this way. And did I mess up my hair? Oh my God, this is a travesty. But my sisters and I would walk and I had the key. They didn't get a key because I was the older one, right? And man, when it was time when I was a fifth grader and we were, you remember the cross guard patrol? Remember that? Man, you, were, you had to get there early and, and then you'd walk home after school and that was all cool because the, the key gave you access and then you didn't have any supervision whatsoever. I was the adult at 10 years old. The supervision for my little sisters and we would come in and we would get a snack and we would watch Scooby-Doo or whatever thing was on the television back then. I think we had like eight channels uh, all together back in the 80s. Remember those days? But we had this key that would get us in. 
And then in middle school, we had to catch the bus. But if you miss the bus after school, guess what? You're walking home. Two miles. Eleven. With a key and a clarinet. That's why I quit band. Because I couldn't make the bus sometimes. And there was no way I'm carrying that clarinet one more time in my life. But I had this key. It made me feel like I had power on some level. I remember the second key I got. I, I was 14 when my instructor at the martial arts studio in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, hired me to be Daniel-san. And I would wax on and I would wax off. It was, I didn't actually wax the car, I washed the windows. I didn't sand the floor, I vacuumed the floor. But that was my job, I literally was his student. And then at about 15 or 16, he gave me a key to the martial arts studio. Oh my gosh. I had a key to a business, but this is where he made a fatal mistake. He gave me a master key to the whole shopping center. <laughs> now I cannot confirm or deny, and I plead the fifth on what I may or may not have, I don't recollect using that key to try to make fake IDs at the tax station next door. I don't remember and I can't confirm or deny, but we didn't get, I, never mind. I'm moving forward from that. That was my second key. Man, it could open some doors. And then I remember my third key. Oh man, I was a junior in high school when I finally turned 16 and, uh, I got a key to a Volkswagen Beetle Bug, 1973. Man, top speed of 71 miles per hour, zero to 60 in 27 seconds. No lie. Man, oh my God, that key was the key to my freedom. No more mongoose BMX bike for me. I had a bug. And that bug went everywhere. I'm talking everywhere. I took that bug rabbit hunting in the woods. I thought it was an SUV. Man, we did all kinds of stuff until one day I looked back in the rearview mirror and the engine in a Volkswagen was in the back and I looked in the rearview mirror. I still remember the song that was on. It was Jet City Woman. And I'm looking in the rear view and the whole back of the car is on fire. <laughs> and I got out of the car and some girl from our school pulled over in a brand new Camaro, whipped it sideways, jumps out, sprays the car down and puts the fire and then waves and drives off and I'm standing there on the side of the road with a burnt up car. Oh, but man, I had, I had keys, right? See, we, we, all, we all have keys that are part of our life in some way, shape or form. Um, you, you, I mean, my kid, I don't know if my kids have ever used a real house key. They have a garage code right? Nowadays, you got key. Your phone can be a key. You can turn all kinds of stuff on. Kids want to make the hot tub hot. Hold on. Let me grab my phone. And it's your access to all kinds of stuff. Some of you can literally turn your car on and off and roll down windows and start your car right through your phone. Your phone's a key. We have all these different technological advances, but keys are a part of our life and keys mean something. See, a key equals access it equals authority, it equals responsibility, and it equals freedom. And Jesus, Jesus said he was giving us keys. See, the Bible declares 
that Jesus literally has the keys of all creation. Jesus has the authority over all creation. Everything that is, is through him and in him and has its existence in him. Jesus is the creative essence of God. So Jesus walked in authority in the earth in a way that no one had ever done before because he had the keys to all creation. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, all authority is mine. All authority has been given to me. So you go and make disciples. Grow my kingdom. Guys, this is where we get the vision for Oaks Church from. This go and grow vision that we just spoke about last week. If you missed Vision Sunday, you need to watch Vision Sunday and get on board with what God is declaring over our church. There are seven new ministries that God wants to launch inside of Oaks Church. These are ministries that you can be a part of. These are ministries that you can invest yourself into. These are ministries that might awaken something incredible inside of you and help you fulfill the, the path and the plan and the will of God inside of your life. And it's all a part of this command for us to go and grow, to go and make disciples and advance the kingdom, to grow the kingdom. I'm not the only minister here. In fact, I'm the trainer of the ministers. Y'all are the ministers. God has given you a mission. He's given you a purpose. He's given you a calling. He's given you spheres of influence. And he's put people in your life that you're the one that has the access point to affect and to reach those people. He's given you the key to somebody's heart. How many times do we have people in our lives that have a different view, a different perspective, a different political position, a different idea of gender, a different idea of things going on racially, and if we're not careful, we're annoyed at people that see differently than us, and we don't realize that maybe God has given us a key that through the love of Jesus Christ in your heart, you might be able to affect and draw someone to the goodness and the greatness of God, but oftentimes we're too busy just trying to be with our little group that everyone agrees together and everyone... How are we supposed to get the world saved if we don't make friends with the world on some level? If we don't love the world, now I'm not talking about loving the things of the world like the Bible talks about, but Jesus, the Bible says, was a friend to sinners. He, he associated with people that didn't necessarily have the same place of belief that he did at that time, but he understood that he had the key. And the Bible talks about how it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's not the rules. It's not the long, bony, religious fingers. It's the goodness of God. It's the love of God. How will they know that you're his disciple? By your love. When's the time you loved someone that was that different than you. Jesus said it's easy to love people that you like. It's hard to love your enemies, right? On December 10th, we have our big go and grow vision Sunday, our giving day for that. We've got seven different ministries that we're gonna launch over the next year 
and we go and grow at the speed of the involvement of the people inside of our congregation. My prayer, and I want you to understand this, God is moving my heart into a very aggressive spiritual position where I am praying and declaring and releasing the favor and the faith and the provision of God into this house. It's not going to happen. God's not going to do these different ministries just because an idea hits my head. God's going to do these things and launch these things because of the faith inside of the house of God and the people of God and the favor that comes upon your life that you become partners in this and you become people that say, I'm going to help make this thing happen, not for the sake of Joel, forget that guy, for the sake of Jesus Christ, that he's called us to go and grow and be powerful people in the earth that make a difference with our lives and don't just live for us. We're not building this thing for us. We're building this thing for the thousands of people that God has declared are going to get saved through this church and your relationships. Thousands of people. So I'm aggressively praying that God would pour out his favor, his blessing, his provision, his insight, his dreams on people that would come and be a part of this place and say, let's go take that mountain. Revelations 1, 7, this is the resurrected Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is actually called the revelation of Jesus. The apostle John was unstoppable. They tried to kill him in every way, shape, and form. He's the one that Jesus declared, if I want this guy to live all the way until I come back, what's that to you, Peter? They tried to kill John. They boiled him in oil, didn't I? Come on, tried to make him fried chicken. He did not die. They, they, they covered, I mean, pelted him with stones multiple times, couldn't kill him. Finally, they gouged out his eyes and stuck him on the Isle of Patmos, which was like, I guess, the Australia of that era, right? It was a penal colony where they would stick prisoners, where there were wild beasts, and they just hoped that the beasts would eat them. But on that island with no visible or physical eyesight, Jesus Christ himself reveals himself to John and gives him the revelation of Jesus Christ inside of the final book of our Bible. This is what he said. Revelation 1.17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades, death and hell. Jesus has authority over death. Jesus has authority over hell. He has the keys of all creation. And the most amazing thing is that Jesus has offered his authority to us. Look at this passage, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus had just asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're Moses, reincarnated. Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Peter was the one who always would step up and speak out. He often put his foot in his own mouth. I can relate to that. But he was the only one gutsy enough to step out of the boat. He was the only enough that was gutsy enough to actually walk on water. He walked on water temporarily until he took his eyes off Jesus began to sink. 
But in this moment, Peter declares, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, God gave you that understanding. And then he says this, I will now call you Peter, which means little bitty rock, like a pebble. And on this rock, that word in the Greek is a great big massive foundation stone, like the rock of Gibraltar, this massive stone of foundation. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a massive statement released to the church of Jesus Christ. Some people have misunderstood this and they've said, oh, no, no, no. That was just for Peter because he was the apostle. He would become the first pope. This is about the Pope and God building the kingdom and building the church upon a man that was selected by him. But the problem is found in the original language. Peter, you're a little bitty rock. But upon this great big rock, I'll build my church. What is the great big rock? The great big rock is the, it's the, the actual topic of conversation. Who is Jesus? The revelation of Jesus Christ in your life is the rock that he builds his church on. He builds his church on the revelation of who he is, not some special person. Guys, I'm not more special than you. He doesn't love me. Well, maybe a little. No, he doesn't love me more than you. He is no respecter of persons. For some crazy reason, because he has a big sense of humor, he asked this jack wagon to start a church. I need Jesus more than most of you because I am a special case. And I think he just thinks it's funny. I think him and Jesus are like, look at him. Look at him struggle. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, you know, they just laugh at me, right? And he'll be all right. He'll be all right. Roll him around a little bit. He's on fire. Roll him around. <laughs> it's built on the revelation of who he is. Do you know who he is? Really, though, do you know who he is in you? Do you know who you become when he takes over as Lord of your life? Because when this revelation opens up in your life, you will live completely different. How would you live if you had access to the kingdom of Bill Gates? Oh, by God, I'd be in a helicopter, y'all. That's what I'm talking about. I'd have a helipad at my house. I'd have a hella house. I'd be hella everywhere. Be all over the place with my helicopter, right? Come on, if I, was, if I had the keys to the kingdom of Bill Gates, oh my gosh, if I had the keys to the kingdom of different individuals, how would I live my life? Oh my God, I'd have a little spring in my step. Know what I'm saying? Be a little different. Why do we think the keys Jesus gave us are less than some piece of dirt human that's here for a little while and then dies and may go to hell or may go to heaven, we don't know. Only Jesus knows. But we've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We have access to everything in heaven. Do you know what's in heaven? 
I can tell you what's not. Corrupt government, taxes, sickness, divorce, poverty, disease, dysfunction, abuse, rape, racism. I can tell you all kinds of stuff that's not in heaven. And one day, heaven will be on the earth. You understand that in the book of Revelations. It's not, we're not going to go somewhere. We're going to somewhere temporarily, and he's going to recreate the whole earth, and heaven will be on the earth. The mission of God is to bring heaven to earth. It's always been the mission. That's why he made the Garden of Eden as a picture and a type of heaven on earth and then sin ruined that so he created a whole plan to bring heaven back to earth and he does it through you he does it through you Jesus was our prototype everywhere Jesus went he had a revelation of his authority in heaven he had a revelation of his keys to the kingdom and everywhere he went Oh, there's lack here? Not where I come from. Let me release that in the earth. Oh, no food here? No sustenance? Not where I come from. Let me release that in the earth. Oh, oh, we need resource? Okay, let me release that in the earth. Oh, someone's sick? Okay, let me release that in the earth. Jesus was the gateway to heaven, and he told us that if we believed, we would do what he did and even greater things. How many of us are living a life so far below what Jesus intended? And he's given us the keys and we're walking around allowing the devil to rule in our houses, allowing the devil to rule in our businesses, allowing the devil to have access. And we approach the world as if we don't have faith or don't have the keys. Man, I grew up in a church Tulsa, Oklahoma, Willie George. He, he, would, he would talk about the devil like this. He would call him a mouse with a megaphone. And, and he, would, he would take the message, the, the, the verse that said, the enemy goes around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. And the way that he would teach it was like Satan would show up in your life and he would go, may I come in? May I devour you? May I enter your marriage? May I enter your business? May I enter your finances? May I enter your children? And how many of us have no concept or clue of the keys that we hold, the authority that we have, and we sit back and allow, yes, you may, Lucifer, come on in. Yes, you may. Come right into my marriage. Come right into my finance. Come right into my children. Come right into my business. Come right into my church. Come right into my relationships. When all along we have the keys. We have the authority. We have the access. We have the responsibility. Oh, that's the one we don't like. You ever seen the janitor? How many keys does that guy have? I use three keys. That's about it. I don't want more. Because the more keys I have, the more work I got to do. That janitor, my God, he's got to take care of everything. Every part of the building, all the facility, this door and that door, this closet and that, this space and that space. 
Oh, that's what happens. Oh, we want the authority. We don't want the responsibility. So we opt out of the responsibility, having no clue that what happened is we just gave up the keys. Matthew 18, 18, this wasn't the only time Jesus talked about this. He goes on to continue. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. See, the agenda of Jesus is an agenda of unity. The agenda of the devil is an agenda of division. Look at our world. Family members that haven't talked to each other since 2016. When they voted differently. Division. Church members that left. because they felt like they needed a pastor that had their views on everything. There are people that left our church because I'm white. It's not my fault. Wait till June, I'll be brown again. Guys, we divide. We divide over all kinds of silly stuff that doesn't exist in heaven. It's eternal bull that's temporary. It's not, it's not, it's temporary. It's not eternal goodness. It's not what exists in heaven. And we allow the devil to divide us when the power comes, when we're united. That's why it's so important that you come to church and don't sit at home. Oh, the devil wants you isolated. He wants you isolated. If you can't come, I get it. But if you can come, come. Because there's somebody here that needs you. There's someone here that needs what's in you. There's someone here that's got what you need. And us doing life together, us being the church together is incredibly valuable. You all should be in a group. You all should be in a service team. You all should be connected and building relationships with people in the church. Why? Because you don't have all of the Holy Spirit. Jesus divided the Holy Spirit out to all of his children to make us play well together. You need me and I need you. I don't have it all. I can't do these, these vision ideas that the Lord has given me without people that say, I'm with this heart and soul. God is calling us to a place of unity. The world wants to divide us. Did you know, in, I, how many of y'all have been to Israel? I know a couple, two, three, four, five, six, seven in the room. In Israel, in the Israeli governed areas, it's peaceful and Arabs and Jews work together, live together, are in neighborhoods together, coexist in peace. 
It's only in the Palestinian governed areas that the violence initiates. If you haven't been there, you don't know. If you haven't been there, you don't know. If you watch the news or you watch different rallies, you think that it's some kind of thing that it's not. Inside of the Jewish governed areas, there's peace and unity and all different nationalities and religions work together. I'm telling you, I've been there. These seven people can attest. It's a demonic agenda to bring division. It's a demonic agenda to behead babies and burn them. It's a demonic agenda to cut open mothers and pull out unborn babies and kill them. It's a demonic agenda to kill grandmothers and grandparents. It's a demonic agenda. We're not facing, y'all, we're not facing a natural enemy. We're facing a demonic enemy. And this idea of spiritual authority is a really big deal. And if you're not walking in the authority you're called to walk in, you're in a significant place of risk. Because you don't know who you are in him. Big question. Are you accessing and wielding the authority of heaven? When you walk through your life, are you walking through your life on a daily basis with the understanding that you access and have access and have the ability to connect with the richness and goodness of heaven and have authority to bring it into the earth? Do you live your life like that? knowing who you are the son of, knowing who you are the daughter of, that when you run into a problem, you don't deal with that problem as if you're someone else's child. You know who your father is, you know what keys you have, and you pray a certain way, and you make declarations about your life because you understand what you carry and what you walk in and what keys you have in your life. Or do you walk through life grumbling, murmuring, about all the things you don't think you have when all along. Guys, there are things, there are things that when I look at my life, listen, just because God called me to be the leader of this, of this organization doesn't mean I'm perfect or have it all together. There are things I'm looking at my life going, I'm not walking in authority there. I've given up the keys there. I, 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 gotta, I gotta take authority in that place. I don't wanna get to heaven and stand before God and, and God be like, man, I gave you those keys. Why didn't you use them? You, you live like this and you could have been like this. God wants to open heaven in your life. He wants to open heaven through your life. See, Jesus, Jesus taught his disciples to pray a certain way. I love this. His disciples came to him and said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. This is Luke chapter 11. Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A lot of us grew up, we memorized this. This is a blueprint for prayer. It's not necessarily a recitation or something that is a magical incantation. That's not what this is. This is a blueprint for how to approach the throne of God and the priorities that we should have as believers in him. Most of us skip past the first two parts and go right to give me, give me, give me daily bread. Give me, give me, give me this. Give me, give me, give me that. And our prayers are centered around what we lack and what we think we want or need. And Jesus gave us a blueprint. It all starts with worship. My father who is in heaven, my father who loves me, my father who adores me, hallowed be your name. I worship your holy name. The Bible says we enter his courts with thanksgiving and, and enter his gates with praise. The Bible is very clear that worshiping God is what connects to his heart. The second thing it says is your kingdom come. Your kingdom, that's your authority, your power, your dominion, your rule, your dominion come here in the earth. Your dominion, Father, come in this situation. Your will be done just like it is in heaven. Do it right here in the earth. Those are the first two priorities of your prayer life. How many of you prayer lives are built completely and essentially on worship and thanksgiving and gratefulness and then right into taking authority and asking God to release his authority and dominion into your world and release the riches and the resources of heaven into your situation? We skip past it and we go right back to I don't have this God I need that I need this I gotta have this uh, blah 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 it's all this kind of stuff oh and we don't like the next one well we kind of we like half of it forgive me father but not that guy right there I want to hold my grudge against that one no it's forgive me as I forgive everyone who is indebted to me, everyone who's done things to me. Can you think of someone right now that the second you think of him, you're like, oh, that guy. I got one. His name is, I'm just kidding. I'm thinking, but dude, I'm talking, this dude, every time I think him, I'm like, oh, what a jerk. I don't think jerk though, it's another word, but I think it every time. I don't like this dude. But I want God to forgive me. Oh, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Just not him. Not that one. He deserves it. Oh, I'll pray for him. Father, let him get hit by a truck. I'm just kidding. You ever pray that one? Don't pray that one. Don't pray that one. Don't pray that one. Come on, guys. We do this all the time. And the priority is worship and the release of power. And then you get into needs and forgiveness and lead me around temptation, all these kinds of different things like that. The problem with most Christians is they're not living on mission. They're living off mission and they're focused on me. Forgive me, give me, lead me. Not on mission. So that puts us on defense. We live on defense when it's all about me, it's on defense. Oh, well, I deserve this and oh, I need that and oh, it's all about me, I'm, on, I'm defending, oh, I'm so offended. Oh, they don't see the value in me and oh, they don't think that, they didn't treat me this way. You're on defense, you're defensive. And on defense, your whole thing is, well, I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. I don't want to, I don't want to fall into that. I don't want to, well, next thing you know, what you focus on is where you end up. You've been driving your car and you notice something. And next thing you know, you're doing this. 
You ever, no, just me. Anybody ever, uh, anybody ride motorcycles? No? Come on, Jesus. There's some gutsy people, some brave people in this church. Get some motorcycle people in this church. When you steer a motorcycle, you don't steer it like this. You know how you steer a motorcycle? Like this. You look where you want to go, and the bike follows. You got to make a big U-turn. You look as hard as you can, and the bike will go. It's faith. That's why I love motorcycles. <laughs> it's faith. It's faith. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. Fixing our eyes on him, we run the race he's put before us. See, when we, fix our, when we fix our eyes on what not to do, when we fix our eyes on a defensive position, we set ourselves up for failure. He gave us the keys so the gates of hell wouldn't prevail. That's an offensive tactic. I'm gonna take those gates down. I'm gonna invade that territory. We gotta get on mission, guys. There are people in our city, in our region, that if we don't live on mission, will go to hell. And they're in the cubicle next to you. They're in the parking space next to you, the apartment next to you, the house down the street, the business that you're interacting, engaging with. They're all over the place. And you've been given keys and responsibility to go and grow God's kingdom. Jesus doesn't stop with that. In fact, that's the mis biggest misconception with that prayer lesson. Jesus goes right into a parable, a story. So after the, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, kingdom come, will be done, amen. After all that, he goes right into a story. And he tells a story of a friend who went to his neighbor in the middle of the night because he needed a loaf of bread and he starts knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And the neighbor hollers down and says, friend, I'm in bed. Go away. I'm sleeping. I'll get you some help in the morning, but I'm already in bed. And as Jesus tells the story, the guy keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking until finally he irritates his friend enough that his friend gives him what he's asking for, not because he loves him, but simply to make him go away. That's Jesus' illustration on how you're supposed to pray relentlessly. 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 See, I was raised in this um, hyper-faith movement. And the way that they taught us with this, and, 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 and there is something to it, but it can, be, it can get twisted. And the way that they taught us is when you prayed for something, you prayed one time and you left it alone. Because if you went back and prayed over it again, then you were digging up your faith seed and it couldn't grow and you were actually messing up your own prayers. Now there's something to it and we'll talk next week. We'll talk about uh, resolute faith. We'll, we're gonna talk next week about binding and loosing. We're gonna talk about commanding, how to pray in a com commanding prayers and authoritative prayers. We're gonna get into that next week. But Jesus talked about irritating prayers. 
He goes on to say it like this right after this. Luke 11, verse eight through 10, I say, though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he'll rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, finds. And those of him that knock, it will be opened. The tense in that language, in the original Greek language, is a perpetual tense. It literally says, asking and asking and asking and asking, knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking, seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking. It's about a persistent type of prayer. We need to be people that are praying, the Bible says, without ceasing, perpetually. Every time we think about something, we're making lists of things to pray for, and we're praying and praying and asking and asking, and we're, and we're, we're, we're pursuing the face of God because we want to see things happen in the earth that we understand are the will of God in heaven. I know it's the will of God for this church to become a beacon of salvation light inside of the city. I know it's his will for thousands of people to get saved through this church. I know it's his will. Why? Because it's his greatest command. I don't have to wonder about that. I know it's his will for us to launch all kinds of ministries that meet the needs of our community. Why? Because the church is a hospital, not a country club. It's a hospital, and we need to be reaching people and loving people and rescuing people, and there should be people that you're inviting, and they're coming in here, and maybe they don't know how to dress right yet, and maybe they don't know how to talk right yet, and maybe they come up to the front, and they're like, hey, preacher, that was a bleepity bleep good talk today. Oh, my God, I love that. Why? Because it means we're reaching people. We're not here for the healthy. Jesus said, I came for the sick. So we gotta know the will of God in heaven. Next week, we're gonna talk about those powerful commanding prayers. Jesus literally bent nature with his declarations, shifted actual science with the things that he declared. All these are the things we need to know as we walk into a season about faith for miracles. Because miracles defy nature. And if we're so focused on the natural thing in front of us. See, sometimes, listen, y'all, sometimes you don't follow the science. Sometimes you follow the faith. Doesn't make science bad. But if you know anything about science, science changes constantly. Do you know about 40 or maybe 50, 60 years ago, doctors recommended people to smoke cigarettes. Can you imagine that? Doctor recommended cigarettes? That was the science. See, truth doesn't change. You follow the truth. The truth is God's word. The truth is actually a person. His name is Jesus. That's who you follow. Can he use doctors? Sure. Can he use science? Sure. But the truth of Jesus trumps it all. I got one more thing to show you today. Then I'll let you go have some tacos or enchiladas or whatever, meatloaf, whatever you like. <laughs> how would you like to know how to open heaven in your life? What, what if there was a secret that I could show you today and you could learn how to actually open heaven? Would that be pretty cool? And Jesus walked in open heavens. He had access to the open heaven all the time. 
See, there's a story where Jesus goes out to be baptized. And his cousin, John the Baptist, had been talking about him, had just declared that right there, that guy is the Lamb of God who comes to take the sin of the world. And I baptize with water, but that guy, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and power. Well, then the next day, Jesus shows up, walks all the way out to the river, Jordan, out into the wilderness, and tells John to baptize him. John says, no, 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 no. I just told everyone I need you to baptize me. I can't baptize you. My baptism is for repentance. You're the Lamb of God. You have no sin. You have nothing to repent from. Jesus responds to him and says, permit it to be so now, for it is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Those are the first recorded words of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. The first uttered words of Jesus Christ in the entire book of Matthew. Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was already righteous. But what made him righteous? What fulfilled all righteousness in Jesus' life? Was it just because he was God in the flesh? No. Jesus said this, I only say what my father tells me to say. Man, how much trouble would we avoid if we, oh Randy, you and I would stay out of Facebook jail if we could just only say what the Holy Spirit tells us to say. He said, I only do what my father tells me to do. When Jesus showed up that day, to be baptized, there's only one reason he walked that walk that day. Because his father told him to, and he was obeying his father. And obedience opens heaven. He obeyed, if you read the story, in Matthew chapter 3, he got dunked under the water. When he came out, the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and remained. And an audible voice from heaven declared, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus, with fully open heavens, began to walk out his miracle ministry. He took authority over the devil, defeated the devil in the wilderness as his first option, goes to Cana and, and, and does the miracle with wine, begins to select uh, disciples, begins to do miracles all over the place because finally heaven was open and he had access Access to everything in heaven and his mission was to release the condition of heaven into the earth. Do you remember just a few months ago? Oh my gosh, I love going outside right now. Opening up the outside and letting that feeling of cool air. I, I look, it's going to be like 59 degrees or something when we get out of church. Hallelujah. Right? I hate going to big shopping stores and shopping malls, but in the middle of the Texas summer, I'll go. Why? Just to feel that air. When those doors open, it's like, and the whole atmosphere of the Walmarts rushes out and invades the Texas hellscape. That's what Jesus does with heaven. Everywhere Jesus goes, the conditioning of the atmosphere of heaven invades the atmosphere of earth. And that's what he told us to pray and that's what he commanded us to do because he gave us the keys. See, when you open heaven by obeying God, you show him that he can trust you more. 
See, most of us, we don't obey God because we don't trust. We don't trust. We don't trust. So we don't obey because we think we know better. We think we can do better. We think our ideas are greater. We lean on our own understandings. So we don't obey because we don't trust. And what that does to you is it limits you from what God can trust you with. I have keys to three vehicles at my house. Blakely's 14, she's learning to drive. She has access to one of those keys. The other two are not the Lord's will. <laughs> not right now. My older daughter at college has access to one of those keys. The other ones, mm-mm. That one costs too much to fix. You gotta prove to me that I can trust you with those keys. Some of us, there's other keys God wants to give us. But we won't obey at the level we're at. So he can't trust us to take us higher. Oh, we hear the verse in Malachi all the time about opening the windows of heaven. Shall a man rob God? Oh, here he goes. The preacher is back to money again. It's not about the money. It's about trust. It's about trust. Will the man rob God? How are we robbing you? With tithes and offerings? Put me to the test in this and see if I'll open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing on that you cannot contain. It's not about the money. It's about trust. It's about obedience. Put me to the test. Trust me in this. Obey me in this. And watch if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you. Obedience opens the windows of heaven and proves that God can trust you with more. That's how it works. Well, I don't know what the pastor's gonna, I don't know what they're gonna do with that. Well, then you don't trust. It's a trust issue. It's a faith issue. But if you trust, God can entrust you with more. Again, it's not about the money. That's just the easy one. What about when you're walking down the street and you see someone and you feel in your heart, I'm supposed to talk to them. But that would require you to stop your car, turn around and go park, get out of your car and go talk to somebody and you don't even know what to say and you're like, mm, that's crazy, I'm just making that up. How about when you feel like you're supposed to encourage somebody that works at the desk next to you but you're like, oh, they're gonna think I'm nuts, they're gonna whatever. What about when you're supposed to take a stand and you're supposed to stand up and say something, but you care, you care way too much about what people might think and they might this and what about my job and what about whatever? And God's giving you an opportunity to obey him and open heaven. But we disobey him all the time. That's why we need to know the word of God. That's why we need to constantly be reading the word of God. Because when you're constantly reading the word of God, you're going to see areas. Oh my gosh, I'm not obeying that. Guess what? If you're not obeying something he's already declared in his word, you're closing heaven in that area. Guess what happens when you close heaven? You open hell. See, obedience opens heaven. Disobedience opens hell. We can open hell with our kids. We can open hell with our spouse. We can open hell in our workplace. We can open hell in our finances. We can open hell in our health. Don't eat that. Oh, but I want to eat that. 
oh man, there's no obesity in heaven. I can't wait to get there. Man, I'm going to have like a 15-pack abs. Just be like eight inches taller. Just afro, man. Big old, big old head of hair. My, my heavenly body is going to be incredible. Oh, we got to obey him, guys. So the reality is there, there may be something as I'm talking. It could be a habit. It could be the way you treat a certain person. It could be how you talk to your children. It, it could be how you're dealing with your spouse. It could be how you're interacting with your employer or your employees. There may be an area in your life where you're perpetually disobeying how God wants you to act in that area. Could be, it could be an actual sin you're practicing or something. When you disobey God, you open hell. When you obey God, you open heaven. And God wants you to walk in his supernatural authority. So if there's an area of your life, come on, just take a moment, close your eyes, and let's just go there for a moment. There's a place in your life where you know that you're disobeying. Right now, this is your chance. Maybe, maybe that's an area where you've prayed before and you've given Jesus, made him the Lord of your life, but only certain parts. And maybe there are certain parts, maybe he's not the Lord of your diet. Maybe he's not the Lord of your finance. Maybe he's not the Lord of your purity. Maybe he's not the Lord of your, of, your, of your marriage. Maybe he's not the Lord of your parenting or not the Lord of how you run a business. Well, that's church stuff, Joel. That's church stuff, but business is business. No, 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 no. If Jesus is the Lord of your business, he'll give you an exponential increase for the concept and for the truth and for the ability that he has now as the Lord of that business to mass multiply the influence for the kingdom of God in the earth. If there's any area of your life that the Lord is illuminating to you, this is not about condemnation. This is about conviction. Conviction is a faith that propels us into action. It's a belief so strong it propels us into action. Conviction. Holy Spirit, reveal right now areas that they need to address. Areas that they need to make you Lord. Come on, just all across this room and with us online, pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, forgive me for my disobedience in different areas. Today, I give you lordship over those areas. I vow to obey you. Jesus, I make you Lord of all. Come into my life. Breathe on my life. Release heaven in my life. And help me to walk in heaven. The authority, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I want to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen.